رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق وسيد المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم افتح لنا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كريما رب اشرح لنا صدورنا ويسر لنا أمورنا وحل لنا عقدا من ألسنتنا يقه قولنا ربنا أدخلنا مدخل صدق وأخرجنا مخرج صدق اللهم اجعلنا من لدنك السلطان النصير اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث من عذابك نستجير ارحمنا برحمة تغننا بها عن رحمة من سواك وصل اللهم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته إن شاء الله تري ويلا تيك أب سورة لقمان A surah familiar to all of us if for nothing else but the beautiful mention of the of this figure, what appears to be like this mysterious figure that we know of through his name, Luqman, um, and this association of Luqman with wisdom, you know, he's come to be known in our tradition as a man of wisdom, and we know this surah to be a surah that is entitled by his, you know, with his name, and that it contains this conversation that this father had with his child about hikmah, about wisdom. So this is what we know about the surah. Beautiful surah indeed. Um, and so inshallah we're going to talk about the main theme of the surah and why Allah Azza wa singled out Luqman by mentioning his name and what it is that this message of Luqman contained for his own child and why Allah highlighted it. So it's a very short surah. We're now coming now into the last third part of the Quran. And the surahs start you know, getting smaller and smaller. So inshallah we have a lot more time to reflect on, 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 on the verses. Um, so inshallah 34 verses. We'll go inshallah through as many of them as we can. But let me highlight the main um, um, theme of the surah and the focus of the surah. The focus of the surah is ultimately on the question of wisdom, wisdom, hikmah, and we'll break that down. What does hikmah mean to Allah Azza wa And the definition of hikmah, how does hik- this hikmah manifest in our lives? What are those key elements of hikmah? What are those key elements of this essential understanding that you and I have to attain before it's too late in our lives? Right? Because knowledge is quite diffuse and it's 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 quite substantial in its scope. It's it's unlimited as we know, human knowledge. Um so shall we wait for that to quiet down? Okay. Um so Allah Azza wa now is going to help us out by granting us an understanding of what this essential knowledge and, and, and comprehension is. What are those key elements that you have to understand in your journey of life before you hurt yourself and hurt others around you? And, and damage and undermine your own destiny and fate, so to speak. So here's Allah reaching down to tell us what this hikmah is and is asking us to listen and pay attention. And what we're going to find out in this surah is that it ultimately, ultimately comes back to knowledge of Allah Azza wa Knowledge of Allah. We've seen this theme throughout the Qur'an. What is the Qur'an ultimately? If, you're, if somebody asks you, what is the Qur'an about? You say two things. Two things. The goals of the Qur'an. Really. 
establishing a relationship between us and Allah Azza wa and making us understand Allah and have faith in Him. Really, that's what it's about. You and Allah. But Allah puts you here on earth. What is your function on this earth? And how do you fulfill your potential? So that you can reach your destiny. And fulfill the very mission that Allah has commissioned you with. Because Allah put us on this earth with all this creation. So we have to know how to walk the walk on this journey. On this earth, Allah equips us with the tools in the Qur'an to know how to walk, and how to talk, and how to think, and how to feel. That's really what the Qur'an is. Beautiful message. How else? Allah asks us in the Qur'an, how else would you understand this? How else would you understand hikmah? So Allah is challenging us in this surah to say, is it your hikmah or my hikmah? Ultimately, Allah says, it's divine hikmah. Divine hikmah imparted to the human being, and it manifests now the hikmah of the human being, but it's all the hikmah of Allah. The knowledge of Allah. We don't know anything. Nothing. So we become proud of what we know. But Allah says, I teach you. Fear Allah. Be conscious of Allah, and Allah will teach you. How often do we know how to do things? We don't know. We think we know. It's Allah who gave us the faculty. The faculty of thought, but also the faculty of feeling. Because we're going to find out that hikmah is much more than thoughts, than information that is presented in a book. Not this book. A book. This is indeed the book of hikmah, as Allah refers to it. Right? But ultimately, you have to know how to feel. Feel yourself through the situations of life. How to sense them. So hikmah is actually, as Allah defines it, ultimately it's not only just knowledge and comprehension, but it's knowing how to apply this knowledge. This essential knowledge, not all knowledge. Essential knowledge. How to apply it in our lives. And how many people have memorized books? I've learned from teachers. And gone through schooling. And they commit the most heinous things, the most egregious things in life that, 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 that hurts themselves and hurts others on a daily basis. How many people have learned books left and right and sat through schools only to use this very knowledge to oppress others? And indeed, knowledge can become a tool that we use to subjugate others. How many people have used their knowledge to be, for, you know, to, to kind of uh, look down on people and be condescending towards them? How many people have used their knowledge to even destroy themselves? How many people through knowledge produced weapons of mass destruction that devastates communities and nations? Knowledge, ultimately, right? So knowledge, as we've seen it in our lives, is, a, is an incredible thing, but yet it can be misused, it can be used well. Allah comes to tell us Ultimately, it's also about knowing how to behave. About how to, how to think with this knowledge that is a gift given to you. So that you can produce the best out of it. And we see even the inability of the human being to control their own emotions despite all the knowledge that they have. How many people are able to really restrain themselves and think in that moment, is it time to speak to my child, for example? Or to my spouse? Or to my boss? Or is it better and a more suitable time to talk tomorrow when they're calmer? That's wisdom. Very simple example of wisdom. And how many people blurt out, <coughs> blurt out, spewing out 
Like as they say sometimes, like diarrhea <laughs> coming out of the mouth. Words left and right that we've memorized because we need to teach people. Right? We have this sense inside of us that we need to teach people. So it doesn't matter the circumstance. and doesn't matter the time. We're going to lecture them now to correct them. And how many people have hurt others around them, including their families, including their communities, because of this need to correct others. Because I've learned this knowledge from the Qur'an, and my teachers taught me. So I need to go out there because Allah says, Amr bin ma'ruf al-munkar, enjoin good and forbid evil. You know in the name of enjoining good and forbidding evil, how many people have been killed on this earth? Killed. Extremism is all based on this misunderstanding and ignorance around this verse. And it's total lack of wisdom. But lack of wisdom is not a joke. You're going to hurt human beings. You're going to destroy communities and divide them. Subhanallah, that's scary. Scary thought that lack of wisdom and the misperception of understanding. Allah is going to talk to us about this. But essentially this surah says, knowledge is about the ultimate, essential principle of wisdom is to know Allah. And to know He is the source of everything. And not only this to know it, to recognize it. And be conscious of it. And as Allah says in the surah, to thank Allah. Really, genuinely thank Allah. So Allah is going to talk in this surah, among the themes of this surah, He's going to present to us beautiful examples and reminders about His power, His presence, His omnipotence and omniscience. Allah is going to show us the limitness, remind us of the limitness, limitlessness. <laughs> right? What? No matter what, I'm not going to try. Okay, you get the point, right? The inexhaustibility, the boundlessness of what? His majesty, His glory, His power, and His knowledge. And He's asking us in this order, do you really understand it? When you sit by yourself, do you really understand the scope of Allah's mercy and power, presence and knowledge, how much He really knows. You know, when we're battling through life, we forget these things. We forget these things, and we forget how limited we are. Allah tells us, you know what hikmah is? Hikmah is for you in that moment, when you're really crumbling by the pressures of life, or by maybe a sense of arrogance, to remember in that moment, oh my goodness, the scope of Allah's power, glory, nobility, Mercy and knowledge is limitless, is boundless, inexhaustible, and I'm nothing. This recognition, that moment, Allah says in the surah, that's hikmah. That's the ultimate hikmah. And then Allah teaches us that it's also through the translation of that understanding in how you live your life. How you live your life on a day to day basis with who? Interacting with the creation of Allah. See the two dimensions that I spoke about? Allah, the vertical relationship with the Creator, the horizontal interaction in the creation of Allah. Here it is. Simple to say, isn't it? Very simple. Allah says, hikmah is to live it. Understand it and live it, and not be busy with other things. The distractions of life. Countless. As He says in this surah, idle talk. Oh, idle talk. Some people really talk out of pure ignorance. You know? Uh, because of knowing nothing, and some people worse, they think they know. 
And oh my goodness, what a danger it is when we think we know and we go around, as I said earlier, lecturing and criticizing and judging based on absolute arrogance, arrogance and, and ignorance, including religious arrogance. Religious arrogance. And that could be the worst of the forms of arrogance on this earth because it includes and enfolds in its self-righteousness. I'm better than you because I'm connected. I'm connected. I have access to the divine. You don't have access to divine. You're horrible. You're terrible. Oh my goodness. What happens with this? And it's total ignorance and lack of understanding Allah. Lack of understanding Allah. So Allah tells us in the surah now, you want to understand two, two aspects of this hikmah that will show somebody knows hikmah. First of all, Allah is going to teach, you know, present to us this beautiful figure of a sage, a wise man known to the Arabs as Luqman. They've known him. They heard about him. And what was the reputation of Luqman among the Arabs at the time of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu They say there are many accounts about Luqman, but amongst them the most common or agreed upon is that he was probably an Arab who lived before the time of Quraysh. So they've known about him, they heard his stories. And what do they know about him? He's a wise man. So Allah, he comes back to tell us, hey Quraysh, Hey human beings, let me, let me remind you about this man that you've known and tell you why he stood out to be a very distinct, distinguished man. Because of, his, not, because of his hikmah, let me remind you what his hikmah was so that you're not confused. Because people come up with stories. So Allah here comes back to remind us of, the, of this beautiful wisdom of this man. And this gift of Allah to him. Where did he get his hikmah? Allah, not him. The attribution is where, was where? When we glorify human beings, we'll forget what? Where this gift came from. Even when we praise people physically. Right? Oh, they're beautiful. Oh, they're tall. Oh, there's... Like, we forget Allah made them like that. Allah made you like that. And you're all the creation of Allah. Didn't we say this in Surah Al-Rum? Nobody earned it. Nobody earned anything. Everything that Allah made is beautiful. It's precious. We're the ones through the shaitanic thoughts and insinuations have adopted different perceptions of reality. Right? We look skin deep. But even the skin is the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal. Creation of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah teaches us, reminds us, why this man was wise. What did he, what, what is, how did he live? What did he understand? And here's the beautiful thing. Allah tells us the ultimate exam, manifestation. Evidence of this man's wisdom is that he was keen on what? Passing this wisdom and teaching it in the best and most suitable ways to his family. Essentially here, his child. Because that's what's highlighted. SubhanAllah. So he didn't keep it to himself. He understood my journey in life. i got to impart whatever understanding that I have from Allah to my children. In the what? The most wise ways. So his hikmah is not going to just stop short. No, it's going to show up in how he teaches. So let's begin inshallah. That's the overall theme of the surah. Inshallah, comment on as many sections um, of the surah as we can. The surah, as I said, is very short, 34 um, uh, verses. Allah begins it with a reminder about, beautiful reminder about what touches the believers, the promise of Allah. Who are those who are going to benefit from this? And then delves into this conversation between <coughs> uh, Luqman and his child, and then brings us back 
to this remembrance about what this ultimate hikmah is about. Knowledge of Allah Hazza wa Very beautiful, short summary of what we need to learn. So Allah begins the surah as follows. Alif Lamim, Tilka Ayatul Kitab al Hakimi, Hudan wa Rahmatan lil Muhsinim. It's a beautiful, essential beginning. So Allah says, here it is. He reminds you, you're going to be, hear, be hearing about Luqman, right? And his wisdom. You're going to be impressed. Some of us might be feeling, oh shoot, I, I don't have any of that. I didn't do this. Believe me, all of us are in the same boat. Right? Don't feel bad. All of us are in the same boat, struggling because we need Allah. So how does Allah begin? So that we're not just in awe of Luqman. He says, indeed these are the evidence, signs, and verses of the what? Kitab al-Hakim. This is the wise book. Who wrote this book? Who authored this book? Allah. He says, don't forget, I'm beginning the surah, I'm reminding you, this hikmah is from Allah. This is the book from which you seek hikmah. You're not left alone. You want to attain hikmah, where do you go? Allah. The source of nourishment. The fountain, Allah's knowledge is the fountainhead of everything. Every meaning, every essential thing, because life is overwhelming. What do we learn? And when do we learn it? And who's going to help us to learn it? Allah. Allah says, come back to me. Wallahi, beautiful thing. Just to know that Allah is the source of everything. I can go back to Him any moment. And wisdom, I want to understand what to do in my life or not. Go back to the book of Allah and ask you, Allah, give me understanding. Give me understanding. So Allah tells us, this is the book of hikmah. Here it is. No other book is going to have what this has. And then He says, okay, but then how many people come across this book? How many people... Open it. How many people look at it? How many people neglect it? Etc. 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 Who is it going to affect? Who will really understand? When they open this or when they sit to listen about it? Who will understand? He gives us the answer. He says, not everyone will be affected by this. Not everybody will be inspired by this. Some, how many people have opened the Quran and they become more rebellious? How many people have opened the book of Allah to seek answers? And arguments against Allah. Against God. And by the way, many people attempted this and ended up being Muslim. I personally know of several individuals who were so angry with Allah in general, or came from other faiths, who says, I'm going to open this Quran of theirs to extract arguments against the religion. And I, saw, I know some of the best teachers who become Muslim through that. Allah guides in the most mysterious ways. But overall, Allah is saying this. The ones who will really be inspired by this, because you have the opposite effect. Allah says, this can also make others blind. It depends on your intentions. You come to the Qur'an seeking doubt, what do you get? Most likely, doubt. This is very scary, by the way. Allah says, be careful, this is not a normal book. Your intentions impact what you get out of it. Your expectations... They define what you're going to get out of it. That's why Allah says, Be careful what you think of me. Be careful what your opinion of me is. And you know, thoughts define reality. Thoughts define reality. This is incredible. I might have at some point, inshallah, a whole presentation on this. A whole presentation on the power of intentions and thoughts physically. Physically. I don't know if you know this. There are experiments that showed that, um, well, let me give you one. There's numerous. Like some, 
Okay, if, 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 I, if I misquoted this or something, forgive me or correct me later, right? They were giving, they gave people uh, like sugar drinks or something like this and, and they told them it was alcohol. And guess what a bunch of them ended up experiencing? They got, they got drunk. They were drinking water with sugar in it. But they thought it was what? They thought it was alcohol. They got drunk. <laughs> it's like, how does that happen? Right? Oh, numerous examples. They've had experiments on, on monks who through the power of their thoughts were able to bring down their body temperature in freezing water. 10 degrees. 10 degrees. And to warm up the blankets around them. <clears throat> through thoughts. This is real. I can give you numerous examples of this from science. How does... It's not hocus pocus. Allah says, be careful what you think of me. So your expectations of what Allah will bring you defines what you'll see. Defines reality. Your thoughts impact the cells in your own body and the cells of people around you. One day, inshallah, I'll show you evidence of this. It, it, baff, it blew my mind away when I learned this in, in, in physics. Blew my mind away. It's extraordinary, mysterious. So Allah says, be careful what intentions you have in the Qur'an. Then He tells us right here, who is it going to guide and who is going to be touched by the mercy of the Qur'an? The mercy of Allah, ultimately, through the Qur'an. He says, Al-Muhsinin. He says, yeah, there is a group of people whose intentions are good, who do good. It's in the heart. Allah knows it. It's not about the perfection of behavior, by the way. We're so obsessed with performance we judge each other by performance, right? We have these artificial standards. But we know we're, we're, we're deficient. We always fail and stumble. Allah says, bring your best. Show me your best. Don't worry, I'll complete you. But you know what matters the most? Al-Qalb. This heart right here. And then pushing with the best of what you can. That's it. That's what Allah expects. Not perfection. Little things. Allah says, those are the muhsin who are trying, striving to excel. Striving. Never ever excellent. You cannot be reaching full excellence. Subhanallah. Perfection belongs to Allah. He says those who really have that intention and desire to please Allah, desire to help others, the desire to be good, and recognize the little, little humble creatures, and they're doing their best, they'll be guided by this. Word can change them in the Quran. They bring a tear out of their eyes. They're humble. They want to learn. They're not saying, I'm perfect. I don't need anything. You need it. I'm not me, right? Uh, you know how many people come across the Qur'an like, mm, oh, man is saying this, mm, I, my wife needs to hear this, right? She's the one who needs to do this, not me, right? Or my friend, or, 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 it's constantly the other, I'm perfect, don't look at me. Allah says, you're not going to be touched by this, you're not going to be guided, nor will this mercy engulf you. You see how beautiful this beginning is? Before we what? Before he presents to us the wisdom of Luqman, he's telling us who's going to be touched by it, who's going to be learning from it. He says, check your heart before you hear the story. And you'll learn, and you'll grow with it. Then he says to us, let me give you further elaboration on who these muhsinin are. They establish the salah, يُقِمُونَ salah. They establish the prayer. They're constantly concerned about being charitable, and they distribute from the gifts of Allah. Because they want to serve the creation of Allah, please Allah. You see, they're moving about on this journey of life, helping, being charitable, doing good, contributing, and 
they're aware of the hereafter. They're aware, constantly think about the hereafter. The return to Allah. When we lose sight of the return to Allah, we're overcome by life. If you ask, like, when is it really when we break? Break with any affliction, any trial, it's when we forget we're returning to Allah. Because suddenly we desire what? Pleasure. You know the, the danger with materialism and this era that we live in is that it made us believe that we deserve and are entitled to full comfort. Like somehow we change the notion of pleasure. You see, good old times, they, don't, they didn't think like that. They understood the human being has to go through struggle. Modern man's like, mm, pamper me, spoil me. Life owes me. Life owes me what? Pleasure. Guarantee of happiness. Complete happiness, satisfaction right now and we'll deliver it to you. So the human being is going about burgers, blah, 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 ice cream, movies, like on demand, everything's like constant, right? Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Comfort, 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 right? And then when suddenly we're hit by something hard, what happens? It's like, wow. And then you start protesting, how come? God, what have you done? Right? You're unjust. We can't deal with it. Why expectations? Because we don't have a greater purpose. So this is beautiful. Allah says, you know what's going to chill you out? Reminders about where you're going. To Allah, you're not living for here. And you're going to struggle to the last breath. And it's not bad. It is meant to make you grow in awareness. And Allah at the end of the surah is going to show us that these struggles when we go through them are the ones that really bring us back to Allah. You know, because what are we supposed to do on earth? Develop what's called singularity of devotion. Like, do you really make Allah the one? Not See, wisdom is not to just know it. To really feel it. Feel in awe of Allah. It's like, I owe Allah. I am for Allah. From Him I come, to Him I return, and the rest I serve Allah. Like, this is, this is my mission. How do you feel it? So when do you feel it the most? When, you know, oftentimes we're chasing after life, right? When do we really feel this urge to really beg Allah, turn to Him, and really feel His presence, say, Allah, I need you? What time? Bad things happen, subhanAllah. So we develop the actual devotion to Allah when the, shake, you know, when the ship is shaking. <laughs> it's about to drown. Allah tells us in this surah. He says, it's good for you, you see? Otherwise, you'll lose yourself. They really recognize that they're going to be touched by this Qur'an. He says, Those are the people guided upon the path. Those are the people guided upon the path. Those are the successful ones. But ultimately, the beginning section tells us those excellent people are the ones who are going to be what? Guided by the wisdom of the Qur'an. And the wisdom of the Qur'an will be, inshallah, given to them. And Allah, just a reminder once again about this hikmah. He says in the Qur'an, يُؤْتِ الْحِكْمَةَ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُؤْتَ الْحِكْمَةَ فَقَدْ أُوْتِيَ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا So we're in a search and a quest for good things. And multiplying our resources, accumulating things in our lives, right? We want more. It's a desire, it's this you know, instinct in us, the human being, to avert harm and gain more good and safety and get more and more and more. Allah says, let me tell you what hikmah is. Hikmah is for you to understand that the greatest thing
you can be given is what? Hikmah. Right? Hikmah is to understand that the greatest thing you can be given is Hikmah. And what is Hikmah? And, and Allah tells us, before, you know, we explained it, but I'm just telling you what the verse says. So Allah says, it is He who gives Hikmah. It's only Allah. You can't get it on your own. But you have to recognize you need it and ask for it. Then he says, whoever is giving this wisdom, he is given what? Abundant good. The good. There you go. You, you know, sitting by yourself, sad, and feeling bad, I don't have anything. I'm miserable, I'm terrible, I failed in life. If Allah gave you hikmah, you will not be sad. You already have abundant good. The good. Don't worry about what you don't have. If he gave you that comprehension, because you're going to help yourself and others, are you going to be on a good path? This is it. It's here. It's here in the heart and the mind. If Allah gave it to you, be happy. But here's your opportunity to get it, Allah is saying. Allah goes on. Now telling us what people busy themselves with and end up hurting themselves by neglecting this hikmah. Because they're constantly busy. We're constantly busy talking and learning and exchanging information. What do we talk about? So Allah says, gives us an example by saying, وَإِذَا تُتَعَلِهِ آيَاتُنَا مُسْتَكْبِرًا كَأَنْ لَمْ يَسْمَعْهَا كَأَنَّ فِي أُذْنَيْهِ وَقَرًا فَبَشِّرْهُ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Actually, excuse me, verse 6. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْتَرِي لَهُ الْحَدِيثِ لِيُضِلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ وَيَتَّخِذَهَا هُزُوَةً He says, amongst my creation, amongst the people that I make, and he's asking us now to reflect on this. He says, amongst the people are those who purchase idle talk. Purchase means uses it, interested in it, occupied with it, right? You know, we buy things that we want. We buy things that we value, isn't it true? So Allah is saying, the ones who, who value this, what do they value? They're occupied with value, lahu al-hadith. Lahu al-hadith, hadith is discourse, lahu is idle, wasteful. So he says there are some people really obsessed with, wasteful, um, idle talk, but it's not just, you know, some people just are talkers. They love to talk, 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 jokes, this, but, you know, constant. It's a desire, it's an urge. Okay, that's one level. It's waste time. Eh, that's the worst it can do. But what's worst? Idle talk for a purpose. And my purpose, when I sit with Chavez and Sultan, I'm like, I'm talking to them, but I really want to waste their time. It's here. It's like, mm, I'm going to get you. But not only waste your time, distract you from what? From something that I hate. And in this case, hating what? The way of Allah. SubhanAllah. Some people really hate it. Hate the way of Allah. Hate Allah. Hate faith so much that they're not happy. Not, they're not just content hating it and not following it. No, 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 no. I want everyone around me to abandon this. Nonsense, right? Hate it as much as me, if not more. That's like shaitan. So I need, I need to now know how to distract you. So how am I going to distract you? If you're busy thinking Quran, and wisdom, and being good. So I have to come up with things that busy your head. Fill your head with distraction. So let's talk about them. He says, amongst the people are those, and there's a reference here to a figure, because there's many people who did this, but there's a particular uh, guy in the time of Prophet Muhammad from the idolaters of Mecca, his name is, I believe, Nadr ibn Harith, 
who learned some some stories from from the you know old times and from Persia, and he figured like I hate the Quran, I hate what this man is talking about in Mecca. So he go busy people with them. So he used to you know show up in the assemblies of Quraysh, in the assemblies where people gather for fun. And he used to just tell them stories, story after story, story after story, and poetry, and this and that. But what was his purpose? Prophet Muhammad was there teaching Quran. Let me distract them from Prophet Muhammad So there are people busy around the Kaaba, just engaging in entertainment, giving entertainment to people for not just to, because people are anxious and stressed out and they need to relieve their pressure. No, 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 no. Their whole purpose was to really get them away from hearing this, the Qur'an. Allah's talking about them, right? And then He says, those people, look at what damage they've done to themselves. You remember when we said, who are the people affected by the Qur'an? He says, check your heart, be good. Check your intentions, and seek good. And seek Allah, Allah will make you a person who is capable of being impacted by the Qur'an. He says, the ones though, who engage in other things other than this, and they're not interested in this, worse, they busy others with, with distractions. He says, if they're ever reminded, if they ever hear a verse from this, what happens to, this, to them? It's as if they are completely deaf. Like the word, it makes sense. It's like, be good. Like When you hear, like, be humble. You say, oh, it makes sense. But it's not affecting you. So as if we're deaf. How many people, you know, how often does it happen to us when we're being told important things to remind us of being good? We reject them. Reject them right away. And we feel arrogant. We are in that moment deaf. So Allah says the people who engage in distractions and distracting others, they're so deaf, even though they have ears. They're so blind, even though they have eyes. Because there is a rust over their hearts. It seals over their hearts. Meaning that our behavior impacts our ability to understand. That's one of the dangers, by the way, of like just general addictions and sinning in general. and not Like we all sin, we all make mistakes. But Allah says, keep cleaning up. Keep coming back. The further we get away, we don't know what hits us. We become unconscious. And the behavior itself produces a layer of rust over the heart. That the heart itself is capable of being sealed. That's scary. That, and we always talk about like tyrants and killers and savages who don't have a, a problem like destroying their own countries even. We've seen it overseas, right? So like, what happens to these guys? Like, wasn't he normal one day? How does he do, how did he enjoy torching someone? Sealed over hearts, that's it, lost their humanity completely. So it can really go to the point where a person becomes a devil. Devil, that's it. And Allah speaks of devils on this earth. That's the extreme, of course. So there are normal human beings who became these tyrants who don't mind eliminating entire communities, entire people, just because you know they're concerned for their power. That's the extreme of it. And Allah says they're deaf and dumb because of their behavior. And it might begin with something very small. And Allah now, the next section, brings us to him. He says, He says, let me now bring you now into an understanding of what wisdom is. He says, it is Allah. 
Allah, Allah. So the surahs about Allah presented to us in this form of wisdom articulated through the mouth of who? Luqman. So Allah says, before he talks about Luqman, he says, let me tell you, Allah is the one who created. Allah is the one who created and His power is so astounding, mysterious. You don't even understand a thing about it. We think we understand. We're seeing the surface. There are pillars raising these heavens. You don't see them. You don't see them. So actually Allah is giving us here mysterious knowledge. He says there are things raising the heavens. You know, if you study physics, um, so the latest, like for Einstein in physics, we've discovered actually in space, space is not just, it's not an empty vacuum. It's actually like, they call it space-time. So it has, it has each actual paths in it. It's curved with gravity. It's like Earth, when it goes around the sun, it's not like floating in empty space. It's actually being curved by a path. You say, where is the path? I don't see it's empty space. It's not. Literally, forces of gravity, that's what we understand now, have created paths within the cosmos. So the Earth is floating in it, riding in a path as if you're riding on a road. It's like, subhanAllah, who put that there? Right? Allah Azza wa Jal, through these interlocked laws, so mysterious, we've discovered we don't know anything yet. Nothing. They've discovered things called dark matter in space. So you're going through, like, imagine going through air, suddenly like you hit something, you're like, fall, like, whoop. There's nothing in front of me. But there is. It's called dark matter. So there are things floating, and they notice in space, they have to go around this thing that is not there. They're like, what's there? They call it dark matter. They don't know. All they know is that it, it's, it's something there. Powerful. But they can't see it. They say most of space is dark matter. So Allah is telling us, you don't see anything. SubhanAllah. Allah says, do you think you have power? Infinite. That's wisdom. Under, just understanding. Inexhaustible. Limitless. Wow. If that produces a goosebump on you, that's hikmah. Right? From Allah. That's awareness. So Allah just says, and then He says, He put on this earth pegs to firm up this earth and make it stable through the mountains and so forth, so that it doesn't shake. Allah says, look at you, you're not shaking. Right? I, I'm, I'm always like fascinated by people who say, there's no God. Like, Do you know you're on a flying saucer? Flying at thousands of miles per second around a sun sitting in a galaxy among hundreds of billions of galaxies stars shooting everything in an orbit blah, blah, blah. and you're not even wobbling a little bit what do you think of that? can you do that? not only can you do that why does it have to be that way? well I, one of the biggest things that I always come back to when people think there's no God I'm like but why does it have to be this way? why do I have to have feelings? Why does my brain have to be here? Like, it's like, why? There's got to be... And why am I asking why? Me asking why is enough for me to say there's God. Because why do I have to think that way? It doesn't have to be that way, by the way. So somebody must have crafted it to be this way and for me to think purpose. Even to ask why do I exist, the question itself tells you we have capacities to think about deeper, bigger questions than materialism. So just the thought itself compels me to think, who put that thought in me? 
to feel a need for a purpose. And for me to think, it's like, hmm, why do we have to have love amongst us? Why is it our father, mother, and child? And family? Hmm, so, random? Wow. Allah says, who put that? Who, who's, hey, literally, who's making a wobble? You forgot you're in a flying saucer, flying at crazy speed. Somebody just died, this uh, race driver, woman race driver, and set a world record. It's like, I don't know, she was doing, the, like, she was driving, she was like driving rockets, literally, on Earth. At, I think, reaching speeds of 600, 700 miles per hour. And in the last one, last week, she just had an accident and died. So it's tragic. The point that I'm trying to make is that just imagine this. When you're at that speed, you will, you will like, no, no chance. And they're trying to push the envelope. You know the speed we're flying at, brothers and sisters? We don't feel anything. Nothing. Allah says, you're taking it for granted. Can you imagine the speeds with which you're flying in space? Do you feel anything? Do you feel like, I have to hold on. Imagine if every day we're like, we're holding on because Earth is moving at hundreds, thousands of miles per second. Literally, the collective speed of Earth, we're flying at 30 seconds per second, 30, 30 kilometers per second, just around the sun. Per second. But this is not the overall speed. Because sun is moving, and the Milky Way is moving. Right? And the whole, subhanAllah, the universe is moving. So imagine the collective speed, and you're like, mm, mm, let me go to sleep. Right? And it's like, eh, there is no God. Great. Allah says, you're not wobbling, enough for you to think that. هذا خلق الله Allah says, this is the production and the creation of Allah. Then he says, so show me what have you done. Very simple, beautiful argument. So Allah's teaching us wisdom. Then Allah now segs into the wisdom of the man. He wants to highlight. And remember in the Quran, there are many figures that are mentioned by name. There are many figures that are not mentioned by name. Correct? The people of the cave are not mentioned by name. Allah says, don't bother with their names. Don't ask questions about their names. You should be concerned with what? Their, their, their wisdom, right? Instead of being obsessed over, oh, the story, who lived when and what, and who was their neighbor, and what level of the building they lived, and well, who cares? Who cares? Don't ask. He says, don't ask how many people in the cave there were. It doesn't matter. What matters is what? Learn from them. That's wisdom. If you're busy thinking about those questions, then you have wisdom. If your mind is asking, hmm, but what era did they live in? You know that, that Dulqarnain guy? Is it, is it Alexander the Great? Really? Is it, it, and they obsess over this. They spend their entire lives, I want to figure that out. Minor details, many, even questions of theology. People get so deep into theology, they forget the overall lessons and priorities from, of Allah, right? Because they get so deep into some questions and they, they become sources of arguments. You know people flip over themselves, argue and, and fight, and end up leaving the faith, arguing over theology from the religion, within the religion. <clears throat> Everybody wants to prove the other wrong. So Allah says this is not hikmah. It's not hikmah. So Allah Azza wa again, Reminds us, don't pay attention to these things. But in this case, he tells us the name. Because he's talking to the Arabs who knew him. Make sense? He says, this man you admire, that you know his name. So now I'm going to mention his name. I'm going to entitle the surah by his name. Let me remind you of his hikmah. Because you lost it. You don't have it. 
You're taking partners with Allah. You're arrogant. You're oppressive. Let me remind you about the man that you admire, that you heard about, whose stories you, you exchange amongst yourselves. Let me tell you why he was good. And indeed, he was a good man. <coughs> so Allah tells us now, وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَا لُقْمَانَ الْحِكْمَةَ أَنِشْكُرْ لِلَّهِ وَمَنْ يَشْكُرْ فَإِنَّمَا يَشْكُرُ لِنَفْسِهِ وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ حَمِيدٌ He says, okay, we've given Luqman hikmah. Reminder again of the source. It's divine hikmah given to a human being. Attribution is to Allah Now, if you were to say, what is the ultimate thing? Right? The most essential principle of wisdom. The most important thing that really shows somebody understands. What will it be? This is one concept. There's one concept. Not just to understand it, living it. What is that one concept? If you know it and live it right now, you're a man and a woman of wisdom. You're a child of wisdom. Right? All are parts of you. All of them are here. Humility, absolutely. It's going to be, that's in the behavior, in living life, not taking partners with Allah. Right? And you're going to hear the father saying this to his child. The manifestation of all what you just said, manifestation of it, is be grateful to Allah. SubhanAllah. So it's going to have to show up in, in, a, in, a, in a feeling, in an attitude. By the gratitude, is not just a, a... You know it. It's a feeling. It's, a, it's an attitude. It's a mindset. I'm thankful to Allah. We, what does that mean? Recognize that Allah is the source. Which includes now humility. It's amazing. Includes I'm not taking partners because it's no one but Allah. But it's manifesting in how do I show up? How do I react to life? I wake up in the morning. It's morning. Oh, race. Halqa, this, that. But I have a long day. Alhamdulillah. Who just gave me life? But this is the source of everything. I was just dead. I, I, I'm alive. Returning everything back to Allah. No partners, but especially I'm, I'm recognizing Allah as the source of my life. I, he just woke me up. He just brought me, he just gave me mind, breath. But, and look at the effects of that, by the way. We're going to talk shortly about this. I'm not only just recognizing La ilaha illallah. Ya Allah, I adore you. That's part of Hamd. I adore you because you're amazing. Your power is boundless. You're the source of everything. Everything that shows up here emanates from you. And I'm recognizing Allah, you're the one who sustains it all. And since you're the source of all these infinite blessings, including me, and this home that I'm in, and the air that I breathe, and the heartbeats, and this earth that is not wobbling, I thank you, Allah. Thank you. Thank you. Real, real, sincere gratitude to Him. And I'm going to try to live my life in gratitude to you, using your gifts to thank you. Allah says, if somebody does that, they have what? Hikmah. So He says, with given Luqman al-Hikmah, that you that worship Allah, He gives it in the form of a command. And Nushkur, thank Allah. As if, he's, as if He's getting us into the mind of Luqman, and Luqman is sitting, thinking, about life. And Allah is telling us the conversation in his head is, Ushkur lillah. Ushkur lillah. Thank Allah. Thank Allah. Thank Allah. Because it's in the form of a command. So who's saying the command? What's well, Allah telling us the command, but it's as if he's putting us in the mind of Luqman in his conversation in his head. 
You know when you're sitting by yourself, what are your thoughts? Fear, grief, sadness. Oh my God, I have so much stuff to do. That's my thought. It's like, oh shoot, long day. First day of Sunday school. It's a long day. Need your du'as for all the children that are coming. I was going to ask you for that later, right? All this stuff's like, oh, what's going to happen, right? Work, relationships. It's, that's life showing up, thoughts. And he's telling us, Luqman, he's sitting there, he's like, mm, thank Allah, thank Allah. By the way, when you thank Allah, fear goes away. Because you're like, Allah is in control, alhamdulillah. Grief, hmm? what Allah is, alhamdulillah, Allah, past is gone, Allah is in control. We're all learning, because we need to be humble, right? We're not perfect. Allah takes us, because it's limitless, right? His mercy, you cannot encompass it. He always says, you know, we're always here. If your sins and crimes reach the heavens, and if they're as big as earth, just come and ask. I'll lift you up. Rukman is like thinking like that. It's like, shukurullah, shukurullah. Allah says, this is it. How complicated is that? Gratitude is the biggest thing in life. Then he tells us, وَمَنْ يَشْكُرُ وَمَنْ يَشْكُرُ فَإِنَّمَا يَشْكُرُ لِنَفْسِ He says, okay, you're not doing me favors. Because when we become a little bit righteous, we're doing a favor to Allah. No, no, no. We're doing you a favor. You're blessed by my goodness. <laughs> you have that attitude sometimes. And we go around again trying to correct others. But we become arrogant with it. Religiously arrogant. So Allah says, when you're thanking me, you're not doing me anything. Who's going to be blessed by that? You. You're thanking you. But you say, what does that mean? Pick up on another verse. Well, Allah says, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ He says, I promise you, rule, rule, law, whenever you thank me, what's going to happen? When you thank, really, you really express gratitude. Allah says, I shall make whatever gift you thank me for abundant. They actually say, the restrainer of your gifts is what? Gratitude. Meaning, I'm concerned about losing this cup of water. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. What if I don't have water tomorrow? What if I have water tomorrow? What if I have a provision? Blah, 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 blah. You want to protect it? How do I protect? Lock it up? And it's safe? Mm-mm. It's not going to work. Allah says, thank me for it. Really, really thank me for this water. Really recognize when you're drinking. That's why we say, Bismillah. Then what? Alhamdulillah. See how unconscious we are when we say it? We're so unconscious. When we say dhikr, we're unconscious. We don't know what alhamdulillah oftentimes means. Do you feel it when you said it? Do I feel it? Alhamdulillah, ya Allah, we made this. Alhamdulillah. See, that thought heals you. Allah says, when you, so not only will I bless it, I'll heal you in that moment. So the good is going to come back to hit you. They now, they produced, I can't even tell you the amount of literature. Research that has been done on gratitude. So, in, in, there's a whole field called positive psychology. It's like it's all on factors contributing to the well-being of human beings. Alhamdulillah, I've had the, alhamdulillah, the blessing of spending time learning this, this field. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Mind-boggling. It's all like Qur'an in action. About what makes you better. And the number one emotion, they said, the number one that the human being desperately needs to transform himself or herself, caught even their brains will change. Hormones will be produced when you're in it that allow you to be better and feel better. They say it's gratitude. 
I can't even tell you the research on it. We don't have time. Incredible. It releases chemicals in your brain when you're thankful in that moment that activate your energy, that make you want to do good, that makes you even more generous. SubhanAllah, like you become more generous with gratitude, it's actually in the brain. They're finding amazing, they say it soothes the heart, calms it down, sets the rhythm of the heart, tatma'inna al-qulub. I'm like, ah, well, this is incredible. <laughs> this is amazing. Unless it's all going to come back to you. You're going to heal, you're going to overcome your fear, you're going to become better human being, you're going to become generous. You unleash your potential with what? Gratitude. And what happens with others when we're grateful? How many of us, like, oh, wake up in the morning saying, I can't wait to meet ungrateful people. <laughs> I'm looking forward to them. Look, seeing them, mashallah, where are they? Look, they just shows up their face. Frowns and like, anger. Like, and when we see somebody like saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for being good. Give me a hug. How do we feel? We feel good. We love gratitude. We want people to thank us. And people want us to thank them, but we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. And the Prophet said, whoever doesn't thank others, doesn't thank who? Allah. This is amazing. Here's wisdom. Because we're going to see that wisdom is not just, you recognize Allah, you thank Him, and Allah says, now translated by thankfulness to who? Creation of Allah. Be good to them. That's wisdom. And it's going to come back to benefit who? You and the creation of Allah. Wallahi, brothers and if there's one... You know, by the way, gratitude solves problems, most marriages, relationships. Uh, name it, it's solved. Feelings, anxieties, fears, solved by gratitude. And now we have science telling us this, and we forget it. And Allah is telling us, this is the ultimate what? Hikmah. Then He tells us, now He says, pay attention to what Luqman did. وَإِذْ قَالَ لُقْمَانُ لِبْنِهِ وَهُوَ يَعِذُهُ يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمَانِ He says, let me tell you about an actual real life experience of a man who is wise and, a, and, and an aspect of his wisdom is he didn't just start yelling at his child. Get up child, let me teach you some hikmah. You know something people will literally tell him, like I need to tell you some hikmah. As soon as you say this, sorry, but hikmah is out of the window. You can't say, I have hikmah, and I'm giving you hikmah. Look, does that make sense? Right? This man was even selective. Allah's putting us into the conversation. Tell us, like, think, look at when he talked to his child. He must have picked the most suitable time to talk to his child. He must have been spending time with his child. He's concerned about his child living this way. That's his hikmah. His hikmah is not, it's not just me. I need to figure out ways to make my child see it. See me living it and learning it. And how do I teach him and make him understand? What's the tone of my voice? What's the best time? So Allah says, While sitting down in a conversation calmly with him. So what does he tell him? What's the first thing he tells him? Ya Bunaya. In Arabic we know Bunaya, not Ibni. What's Bunaya? Ibni is son. Tazgir is making it miniature. Little son. Not little because it's little inside. It's, it's an endearing term. It's like when you're spoiling someone. Hey, hey, kid, hey kiddo. Hey kiddo. That's really what it is. Hey kiddo. Why, why? How does the child feel when you use a nickname for him or use something endearing? They feel good. It's affection. So Allah is displaying to us the affection of the father through a word. 
addressing him beautifully. Not, hey, hey, come here. Listen to me, right? <laughs> no, none of that. How many of us speak like this, not just to children, but even from a pulpit? Even with religious authority, we yell at people because they need to understand, right? They need to be corrected. Allah says, total ignorance, and it's going to produce damage. Ya bunayya. Then the first thing, what's the most important thing that I need my child to remember? And by the way, it's not the one-time thing. He told them this. He's living it. But Allah's giving us a glimpse into one conversation that happened in their lives. Don't take partners with Allah. Because that's the most important thing you need to understand. The most important reality, most important truth <coughs> of all things you need to remember. Don't seek someone other than Allah and don't ever think anybody is a source of anything but Allah. That's really shirk. Shirk is not just, I don't believe in anyone but Allah. That's not. What is, how does it translate? What are your thoughts right now? We know when we think, I have no future. When am I going to get a job? When I think, I need, you know, Asif is the one who's going to, if I don't, if, I, if I'm not, if I just become friends with him, I'll be set for life. That little thought is when I forgot that Allah is a source. So shirk is not manifest shirk <coughs> where somebody really worships a uh, stone. <coughs> He's concerned about his child depending, feeling that life is what makes him successful. Others, or that they're his source. No, it's Allah. From Him you come to Him, you return, you turn to Him. Everything is a servant of Allah. That's the thought of oneness. Oneness, what's called oneness. So that's the most essential thing he needed his understand to his child to understand. Then he says, <coughs> In the shirka, azim. See, taking partners of Allah and forgetting that Allah is the source of everything is a great zulm. What's zulm? Transgression. Like you're gonna really, really hurt yourself. You're gonna really hurt others, and it's the ultimate deviation from truth. There's no greater injustice. Injustice. You can commit against yourself and against others than to take somebody as partners with Allah. By the way, when we really damage each other, hurt each other, when we bring our worst, when we forget Allah. Isn't it true? When we become like, you know, when we become um, self-centered, when I worship wealth, money, status, because that becomes my God. Correct? Pleasure. In the name of these things, what have human beings done? The worst crimes on earth. You see the bone? It's committed because we threw the whole thing into an imbalance. The balance is that Allah made everything. Harmonize yourself with creation. That's his message to his child. Then now, so Allah, so this is, um, clearly this was a good child, dutiful child. So Allah wants to tell us that, okay, he's reminding us of the duties of a parent to a child, but what is also equally important? The duties of a child to a parent. Correct? Now, how important is that? It's so important to be dutiful to our parents and be good to them because they're the source that Allah put on earth to bring us here. That He didn't tell us, Luqman told his child, excuse me, child, hey son, better be good to me. Which, by the way, I'm sure he's reminding him of be good to his parents. But he's telling us, I'm going to be now the one to remind you, listener, you need to be good to your parents. So he says what? It's an interjection. So verse 14 is not Luqman's speech. 
It's whose speech? Allah's speech where He says, and we enjoyed the human being to be essentially good to his parents. And He says here, His mother carried him weakness upon weakness, and his um, uh, weaning is in a couple of years. So thank me, and thank your parents. To me is the return. So whose instruction is that? Allah. It's like, not even Luqman is going to say it. I'm going to tell it to you. You want to thank me? Thank your parents. Don't forget them. They're interlinked. Right underneath Allah Azza wa Be grateful to your parents. Simple as that. He didn't put conditions. I understand. Parents can be different. They can. But he's going to teach us also when to put a stop to things. By reminding us, remember where you came from. Remember the means. Be good to your parents. That's service to Allah Azza wa And reminds us of the struggles of a mother. If for nothing else, he says, look at how much your mother has struggled to bring you about. Don't forget that. That's a grateful human being. Grateful human beings don't forget. Isn't it true? It's like, you've done me something. I'm like, mm, forget about it. No, it's me remembering that you've done it to me. And thanking you over and over. And the more we thank, the more it shows that you're thinking about the gifts that somebody gave you. You're not just enjoying the gift, you're thanking the source. So Allah tells us, thank me, and remember who brought you here. And don't forget just that moment. It'll help you in your journey. And then he says, now what if your parents are compelling you to disobey Allah? To do horrible things. And they're really jahadak, they're really pushing you, pushing you, inflicting pain on you. To do awful things and to disobey Allah, what should you do? He didn't say hit back. He didn't say yell back. He says, don't obey them, that's it. But be smart in how you do it. Draw the line there. Priority is Allah. Very simple. But what do people do, children? They rebel. They start to yell. They start to hurt their... Really, I see this all the time. I need to correct my parents. They understand. This and that. They end up rebelling, literally, in the name of righteousness. That's not what Allah says. He says, calmly and gently, just be respectful. Don't even utter a hurtful word. One. But just don't obey them. Find a way. Well, and there are always ways. To not do that thing, but don't do it. Don't commit that thing that they're asking you to do. Then he goes on to tell, to tell us, <clears throat> Who should you listen to? Who should you listen to in life? Allah says, listen to the ones who really constantly returns back to Allah. Somebody is interested in Allah, and you see them humbly, constantly returning back to Allah, those are the ones you follow in life. Because why is that important? You know, reminders today are not sufficient. In our journeys, we need people around us to help us. Very simple. We need mentors. We were talking Jum'ah Friday about mentors. You can't make it on your own. So who mentors me? Who helps? I need people in my life to help me. Don't ever be fooled by somebody's religious looks, please. Wallahi. They need reminders. They need teachers. And a teacher needs a teacher. And no one is the teacher. Please know this. No one. And ultimately the teacher is Allah. And Allah says, follow the one who is really returning back to me constantly. You need it, He says. I need it. Because we need others around us. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Then, Luqman now, look at the wisdom. He wants to, inshallah, we'll wrap up, inshallah, five minutes. Just, inshallah, we're going to wrap up this section of Luqman, inshallah, and he wants to illustrate to his son. He doesn't just give instructions. How do I teach him about the power of Allah? Because what is his concern? I need my son to know really the vastness 
the scope of Allah's power and His knowledge. But I need to bring examples that relate to Him. So what does He tell him? He says, Oh son, O kiddo, O kiddo, you know how knowledgeable Allah is? He doesn't just tell him, Allah is alim. Let me just give you an example of how beautiful, knowledgeable Allah is. He says, you know, if I take a speck of dust, and he must have taken it in front of him. See the speck of dust? Let me give you, let, let's, let's play this exercise. Let's, let's play with this thought. He says, what if I, can you find this? If I throw it? And the son must have been saying, oh dad, I can't find it. He says, because I just threw it, it's a little speck. He says, Mm-mm. okay, let's take it further. What if I took this speck? And I put it in a stone, big, large boulder, inside of it. And then I took this, and I threw it randomly on earth. Can you find it? He's like, oh, what? Like, I can't even find it here. Like, how am I going to find it in a stone? And then he says, if that little speck of dust is sitting in a large mountain, boulder, anywhere in the, have anywhere in the universe, or anywhere on earth, Allah knows about it and finds it knows it exactly where it is. Can you imagine a big stone? Like in this wall, you have a little tiny ant. How am I going to find this ant in this huge wall? I have to break up the whole wall into little tiny pieces as big as an ant. Millions of them. Hundreds of millions of them. He says, Allah knows each one precisely in what's underneath. Why is he giving this example? To remind us, like, this is an example snippet of Allah's knowledge minute, so minute. And he made every single one of those specks. And he sustains every one of those specks. See, suddenly it's like hating your heart. Wow, what a beautiful example. I can relate to that. That's wisdom. And he tells them about living life. And he says, so you move from Allah, look at the wisdom. Teaching Allah, Allah, Allah. Before he tells them, pray, pray, pray. What do you teach him? Allah, Allah, Allah. Let me make you fall in love with Allah and adore Him. Not by commands, by bringing you closer to thinking about Allah. Through real examples, then he tells them, what should you do next? Aqim salah Right? So establish prayer, my son. Establish prayer. Enjoy good. You know, uh, guard against evil or, you know, uh, forbid evil and awful things to happen, but in wise ways, clearly. Meaning that be concerned with good on earth. Be concerned with evil on earth and make your best effort to propagate good and contain evil and prevent it in a wise way, clearly. Then he says what? Life is hard. So what should you do? Be patient. Be patient, son. He's setting his expectations. Not, not, life is not just a bunch of fun activities, you know, video games. No, no, it's going to be hard. How are you going to meet it? Well, turn to Allah first. Be good. He says, be patient. That's it. Be patient. So be ready with patience. Because you're going to need it. You need it a lot until the last moment in your life. Then he says, in He says, this is a course, an action worthy of your commitment and your resolve. Meaning that, he's telling him, this stuff that I just taught is not easy. What does it demand? Resolve. It's not for the weak-hearted. Because it's hard to change in life. It's hard to do this. It's not really hard, but we don't want to do it. You really need to have a burning desire to do it. You need to push yourself to do it. It's not easy to commit. It's not easy to be grateful. It's not easy to smile. It's not easy, right? It's not easy to show up Sunday morning. It's not easy to um, um, 
also like enjoin good and remind others. It is not easy to just constantly keep up with the prayer. It's not easy to be patient. He says, these things are worthy of your effort and your resolve. Azm al-umur. Then he reminded him about how to deal with people. What does he say? You're going to be engaging with others. Oh, enjoying good, forbidding evil. How should you deal with them? Don't ever, he says, ever, turn your cheek away from them in arrogance. Be humble. Wisdom is being what? Humble creature of Allah. Don't ever think you're better than anybody. Don't ever look down on anybody. It does, did he say, look at what he said. Did he say to Muslims, don't be arrogant with Muslims? He says, don't be arrogant with people. Creation of Allah. Anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Be humble. Be humble. Don't be condescending. And don't ever walk on earth maraha, insolently, proud of yourself. Don't do that. Even be humble towards what? Mother earth. The environment. The creation of Allah. Don't step on it. Be gentle with it. Walk gently and humbly. It's in the heart. But it shows up in your interaction with the creation of Allah. Be merciful with them. And then he says, when you walk, look at the, the detail to which he's going with his son. He says, when you're walking, and I'm sure he saw his father walk that way. Be, be moderate in your pace. That's, by the way, a formula for life, not just about walking. He says, don't be too hasty, and don't be slow. Be moderate, be in between. It's a pivot. It's a philosophy, by the way. He's teaching philosophy of life. Don't be extravagant. Don't be what? Stingy. Don't be coward. But also don't be rash. Think. Be wise. Be balanced. Be in the middle. Middle is a pivot of a philosophy. Of moderation. What is our faith? All moderation. Even in eating and drinking, exercise, movement. It's always sitting in the, in the middle. That's wisdom. That's not easy. Then he says, and lower your voice. Don't be too loud. Clear, but also don't be what? Not talking. Speak. But when you speak, don't yell and scream like a donkey. Right? Don't, don't, be no, don't produce noise that hurts. Be moderate even in your voice. Pay, imagine paying attention to my voice. Wow, that's like, that's consciousness. Then Allah will wrap. That sums up the message of a conversation, one of countless conversations that must have happened between child and a, and a parent, but also you can imagine the child is seeing his parents live it. See my point? Allah says that's wisdom. And imparting that wisdom to a child is your mission. Ultimately, the child's, whether or not they're guided, that's in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal. Then Allah brings us back in the rest of the surah talking about His power, reminding us Allah is the one who sourced everything. He's, the, he's behind everything. His power is not like any other. Then couple of things, inshallah, and we'll wrap. Allah says in verse 27, I'll comment in two verses and wrap, inshallah. Verse 27. Remember the surah is about wisdom, but pertaining specifically to understanding and awareness of Allah. What about Allah? The inexhaustibility of His what? Power and knowledge. So He says, let me give you an example. See, Luqman gave an example about the dust, the, the mustard seed, right? In a in a, in a rock, or I said a wall, right? Sitting there, and Allah knows about it. So what is Allah's example? About to show us the boundlessness and the inexhaustibility of His power and His knowledge. He says, 
ولو أنما في الأرض من شجرة أقلام والبحر يمده من بعده سبعة أبحر ما نفذت كلمات الله إن الله عزيز الحكيم He says okay let me give you an example from Allah himself if there were if there were um, trees on this earth unquantifiable in number countless trees on this earth and these all these trees all their wood was producing pens so there are as many pens as there are trees that are capable of making pens and then there were seas seven in number by the way seven here is not is not to be taken literally for Arabs when they hear seven it's like ooh, massive number right that's what it meant huge number and he says so countless pens from the trees of earth and there were countless seas serving as what? Ink for the trees and for the pens. He said they would be exhausted before the words of Allah and His commands and His power to create would be exhausted. There's no way. Allah saying, my creation, inexhaust. Like, you have no idea how much I've created. How does Allah create though? Kunna, kun. You understand, His ease with which He creates. It's no more difficult for Allah to produce all creation. All creation. Bring them back to life. Resurrect them then to produce one single soul. Sing. Kun. Done. And Allah says, Constantly doing this. You have no idea about the mysteries of His power. No idea. And He says, give us a simple example. It's like, okay, produce all these pens to say the kuns. All these pens to say the commands. Because how much can you produce? Like think of, imagine creative power. You know, creativity is limited. I mean, we run out of ideas quickly, don't we? It's hard. You need time to concentrate. I need time for myself to think. I need to retreat, right? And then maybe a couple of thoughts suddenly come up and you're like, whoa, I got it. That's the thought. Allah says, you know how many of those I do commands? With kun. I don't, there's no thought with Allah. Constantly, around the clock. And it cannot be exhausted. That's the creative power of Allah. And we see the results of it. And what we see is nothing. Can you imagine the heavens with the contain of the creative power of Allah? What, do you mean, what, do we, what about Jannah? Wow. Somebody who gets this verse can't, can't wait for Jannah. It's like, what are we going to see in Jannah? Can you imagine the creativity of Allah in Jannah? Subhanallah. That's why I say, Subhanallah. I can't wait. That's something to look forward to. Incredible. We scratch the surface only. That is hikmah, to know that. Then Allah wraps up the surah by saying, they call them the keys of the unseen. Keys of the unseen. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عِنْدَهُ عِلْمُ السَّاعَةِ وَيُنَزِّلُ الْغَيْثَ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْأَرْحَامِ وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ مَادَ تَكْسِبُ غَدًا وَمَا تَدْرِي نَفْسٌ بِأَيَّ أَرْضٍ تَمُوتِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمُ الْخَبِيرِ So the keys, he's just giving us an example of things we'll never know. Never know. And uh, they comment, the scholars comment on this based on a hadith from Ibn Umar who says the keys of the unseen are five. So what are those unseen? As an example, there are many other unseen, but these are key unseen. Allah reminds us, it is with Allah what is in the knowledge of Allah that nobody would know, ever, even angels. Knowledge of the hour, when it's going to happen. You're returning to Allah, reminding us, you're going to come back. That's ilm. That's wisdom, to know you're returning to Allah. And not forget this. But to Him belongs the knowledge of the hour, when and how and how much rain is coming. As an example, by the way. Which means also all provision. 
not just where the rain is going to fall and when and exactly how much and which lands it will hit, but all provision of life, that's in the knowledge of Allah, your provision and rain, knowledge of the hour, what's in the belly of a mother? Not just gender, by the way. People say, oh, well, you know, now the gender, I can do an ultrasound and know the gender. Well, you didn't know it when the seed was put in her belly. The sperm and an egg, did we know the gender? We didn't know. So Allah knew it before. But do you know what this child will turn into? No idea. Allah knows. Do we know when he's going to come out of the belly? Exactly by the second, no way. Allah says that belongs in the knowledge of the, of the unseen. And then he says, no soul knows what they're going to earn tomorrow. No soul knows where they're going to die. Knowledge of the unseen. Inna allaha alimun khabir. Allah is infinitely knowledgeable, infinitely familiar. Walhamdulillah rabbil alameen. So inshallah we'll open the floor for questions. There's a lot more to the surah. 34, but treasures indeed. Um, so inshallah, let's open with comments. Uh, question, uh, Luqman, <coughs> origin with, uh, what kind of Yeah. And just looking on the surah, 